Welcome to the Firearm Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and in this episode, we'll be talking about appendix carry. We bring you this episode to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off by entering in promo code FTP10. This episode is brought to you by Mantis X. The Mantis X is a must-have for any serious firearm instructor. The Mantis X is a high-tech, lightweight, precision sensor that attaches to a gun, analyzes shooter's movement patterns, and displays all the information in real time on a smartphone or tablet. The Manus X gives instructors objective, data-driven feedback on things that you and I can't see so that you can coach your students more effectively. Get 10% off with promo code FTP10 at mantisx.com. Today, we'll be talking with Spencer Keepers from Keepers Concealment and Awareness Defense Training. Spencer is a Range Master Certified Instructor, NRA Pistol Instructor, Defensive Training International Graduate, and TACCON Presenter, as well as many other prestigious shooting schools. Today, we're going to talk about Penix Carry, and I couldn't think of anybody better qualified than Spencer after Masada Oop called him a priest and hive master of Appendix Carry. Welcome, Spencer. How are things going for you today? Good, good. Glad to be here. Thank you. Great, great. Thank you for having me on. Uh, we, we appreciate having these knowledgeable people because just like I was sharing with you before we started the recording, uh, I'm kind of an old school guy in that when I started carrying, when I got my concealed carry license almost 15 years ago now i had leather i you know had a 1911 and that was you know kind of the go-to oh, milk, thing way of doing sparks, things. baby yeah <laughs> yeah and if you weren't if you weren't carrying a 1911 and milk sparks at some time in this journey you haven't been doing it long enough Yep, exactly. But then, you know, I graduated, I moved up to Kydex, you know, and to, you know, tactical Tupperware as people kept kidding me about it when I got my first Glock and right. now, and I was just telling you, uh, just uh, here we are July and I just purchased my, uh, first appendix carry uh, rig, partly in get, getting, uh, ready for this podcast, but partly because I'm seeing everybody in the industry start to talk about it more. I have more students coming to class that want to know more about it. And that's where it's like, I need one so I can, I know the pros and cons. I know, need to know it so I can advise people properly. Just like we talk about with instructors all the time. It's really hard to instruct somebody if you haven't tried it, done it yourself for it. So I really appreciate your um, insight, Spencer, on appendix carry. So somebody like me, I've got my holster what's the next, what, what are the things that the beginning appendix, uh, carry type of people really need to know about, especially our instructors out there. So for, for the first thing is it's, it's getting the right holster and getting the right holster set up correctly. Uh, the two things that I think you need to look for in an appendix carry holster, uh, beyond anything else is ride height and can't adjustment. Uh, because, Everybody is built on an oval, and that oval is not the same for any two people, period. Uh, and then you add in several other factors, like you add in, you add in body type, you add in <coughs> uh, waist length, you add in uh, waist height of your pants, you add in 
uh, belt tension. There's several other factors that go into making appendix work for you, right? Uh, so kind of knowing and understanding what those are uh, is kind of a good place to start. Um, <clears throat> and then getting the holster properly adjusted um, for yourself. Uh, for, you know, for me, that's adjusting the, uh, the, again, the ride height and cant to the point that, uh, the, uh, uh, typically for appendix, having a little forward cant is better. Uh, so it moves the uh, bottom of the holster away from the crease in the leg. Uh, cause for appendix, you basically want to try and have the holster set up between the crease in the leg and the important parts in the middle. Uh, or you have to have high enough waisted pants to to pull all that up above all uh, you know all the important things. So that's that's kind of where you got to start with, right there. I know you. I know we're just an audio podcast here, so people can't uh, we can't show them anything on on the podcast. But are there resources that that people can maybe go to to see some of the uh, descriptions that you're talking about? Uh, yeah, there's some, there's, you know, there's some on our, on our website. There's a whole bunch of stuff that like Lucky Gunner, uh, has done as far as videos. Uh, there's some other videos out there. Some of the other guys have done, um, you know, Langdon Tactical has done some, um, and, uh, the, the better appendix holsters on the market, uh, most of those have that, um, you know, some sort of ride height and can adjustment. Uh, appendix carry being comfortable for uh, an individual is really an equation, right? And it might be a really easy equation. You might order, you know, the ABC holster and put the DY uh, belt on and it works, right? And for the next person, it might be far more complicated. You know, they may have to get um, a longer holster. So one of the things with appendix that's very counterintuitive is the longer the holster or the longer the gun, typically the better for the vast majority of people, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, the more length of holster or gun we have below the belt line, the more the amount of pressure that's getting pushed on the top side of the gun is the same. The amount of surface area now has increased. So let's say, let's say you went from carrying a Glock 26 to a Glock 34, right? Now I know that's a big step, but, but just think about that for a second. Well, now you've taken all the same amount of pressure that's getting pushed out on the top of the gun. Well, you've now increased the surface area that that pressure is being absorbed against on your body greatly. So now there's far less pressure being pushed on a spot and the holster is all of a sudden just amazingly comfortable. Uh, so like for me, I, I really can't carry a, like a Glock 17 link holster. Um, I can just barely do that. That's like minimum length at best for me. 
Uh, I carry a, uh, you know, of course, I carry a Lightning Tactical uh, LTT Elite 92. Uh, the vast majority of time, that's what I have on right now in one of our holsters and uh, we actually put a little bit of extra length on that and uh man it's just it's just comfortable as the day is long you know uh here here uh, i guess it's two weeks ago i had a uh a, a 12 hour drive up and back and uh, uh up, up into the north country kind of and uh wore my gun the whole the entire time and it's just I mean, like I know it's there, but I don't know it's there. If that makes sense, it's yeah. comfortable. It's so comfortable that it just sits there. I know it's there, but there's no discomfort to it that you know that makes it bug me, right? Yeah, and that and that's probably where I was because it was uh, a couple months ago. I was uh, talking to. Uh, Clint Macro, who we've had on the podcast uh, before talking about National Training Teacher Day, but he had switched over the last year from strong side holster over to appendix. He's a guy that's similar size as I am, but I'm, I'm just happens to have a little bit more weight on me than he does. And right. you know, I, I asked him, you know, okay, you know, how, because anytime I tried it in the past, it always seems like it, it really uh, dug into my gut down there because, uh, because mm-hmm. of efficient. I tried his holster with his Glock 19 in it, and it was like, I could do this. And that was the impetus behind me going along and searching out holsters and finding one that I could, uh, that I thought could fit me very well. And so far I've been, been happy with how it's uh, ridden and everything because it's not super deep, but then at the same time, it's not, it's, it doesn't, it's not top heavy either to where I feel like it's going to flip out or anything else like that for my belt. Perfect. Perfect. And you, you just mentioned something that I want to touch on real quick. Belt. Um, <clears throat> belt is a huge thing for appendix. Um, it's what you really need to make appendix work for you is an infinitely adjustable belt and preferably one <clears throat> that isn't very stiff. Um you know, there's there's belt companies out there now that are building belts that you know, if if for some reason I forgot my toe strap and got my F two fifty stuck, you know, I could use my belt to to have another truck pull me out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of like like I said, interestingly, they have to make toe straps for that. Um, but uh, uh, the uh, infinitely adjustable belts, uh, the uh, uh, they're just, and especially the ones that are purposely built for appendix carry, uh, just make it so much better. Uh, I do a demo in in uh, my appendix carry uh, skills class where I will change the belt tension by a finger's width, which is you know roughly about five eighths of an inch or less, um, and you can see the gun go from printing to not printing at all. Mm-hmm. So adjustable belt tension is huge for appendix carry. Yeah, the one thing I found very interesting too, from a appendix standpoint, is when I was when I carry strong side, I would always worry about or catch my shirt riding up in the back doing different things like that. That obviously, as a responsible concealed carry holder, we don't want to happen. But in the appendix right. in front, even with my shape that I'm in, it doesn't print at all i mean it just is a 
but a little bit of the shirt that's there doesn't print uh, what I have. And that was yeah. a really nice benefit to it. Uh, the other thing that I've seen, and this is from like uh, Riley Bowman and, and such who I've, who I've uh, trained with in the past is, you know, the speed that you can draw with, you know, a lot of times when you're doing strong oh. slide, you are literally, um, you know, start, you, you got to find it, draw it, boom. When it's an appendix, I mean, you know exactly where it is. I mean, yeah. you, there's, there yeah. is no uh, fumbling for it or anything else like that, which is n- another one of those things that, as I said, as I went through my journey of going along and thinking I need to do something with appendix, I was seeing everybody else, what they were doing in some of the things where I was really working hard at trying to get fast times and they seem to be almost effortless because they had less distance to cover in order to draw their firearm, point it and fire. You, you, you got it. You got it. It is just less movement. Speed is economy of motion and it's, it's just, it's just less movement. And if you, so, you know, if you, you, you talked about me teaching uh, at the range master tactical conference, uh, if you look over the last several years, like, like if you look at let's just say the top five shooters in that, uh, I'm gonna say 95 percent over the last five years have all been from appendix, um, and because it, it's just going to be faster, you move the gun less. Uh, the other thing, uh, and I don't, I don't mean to you know pimp another podcast, but if you listen to uh, John Hearn. Uh, talk on civilian carry radio um the other cool thing about appendix is it gives you if you work at it just just a little bit because honestly it's not that hard it gives you such a fast draw stroke and your hands move so efficiently if you're doing it correctly um that you can you can draw a gun on a like an action versus reaction Mm -hmm. if if somebody actually has the drop on you, you can literally draw a gun and beat their action. Uh, and I have done that more than once. Uh, and, uh, you know, John talked about that a little bit on that podcast about how the, the human eye really can't track that that well. Um, and speed in a fight is kind of like strength. You know, I don't know how much strength I need if I'm in a fight. Uh, but I sure wouldn't want any less of it. Yeah. And I was saw, watching one of the videos on your website and I believe it was Gabe white that he did a, you know, first shot, uh, draw the first shot 0.61. And when you go, yeah. along, you look at the ability of the mind to process things, uh, as it's been explained to me in, in the past, it's about a quarter second for us to go along, recognize movement, another quarter second for us to do a movement and that's one movement and you start adding it up and he's by the time you'd see him start moving you're going to be a full quarter second behind him which means that he's you can literally even if you get your finger on the trigger it's going to be a very close race like you said yeah. to who's going to have yeah. the first shot and especially if you yeah. do moving off the x you would be a very tough target in order to uh track and get the shot while the other one's tracking you and ret- returning the first shot you know, there's there's a reason the Sparrow Assassin way back in the day carried a gun essentially appendix, and you know he could he could draw the gun and shoot it with just blinding speed 
you just, you just can't recover from that, you know? Um, so, uh, and there's, there's a lot of, I'm not saying a lot. There's some trainers out there that will say, you know, Oh, well, you know, speed isn't, uh, speed isn't necessary to defend yourself in a gunfight. And you may be right. You really may be right. Um, but having worked several years with uh, uh, Tom Givens and uh, Craig Douglas and William April at the uh, Establishing a Dominant Paradigm class, uh, what I saw was occasionally, you know, you could do, guys would do a stealth draw in a, uh, you know, uh, a scenario-based training evolution and get away with it. And guys would do a draw the gun right now and get away with it. But anything in between got you shot. And that, that was a very interesting observation from my point. You know, if you if you tentatively tried to draw the gun, that didn't work. But if you did some sort of stealth draw or you got the gun out right now and went to work with it, that worked 100% of the time. And I, I could see that working because whoever you're going up against, if they feel like you're you're drawing, you know, you're done. You know, they're not, they're not right. going to wait yeah, for it. If, if, so yeah. unless you can if, if beat you, them on speed or stealth, you you know they, they've got you down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you and if you say to yourself, speed's not important, well, then only thing you are left with is stealth. And honestly, I want more options than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you know, a lot of it, when it comes to, you know, concealed carry and such options are what we all want. You know, we want to have, we want to know how to use our, our firearms. We want to know how to, how do we go along deescalate? How do we use a, right. a sharp, you know, bladed weapon? How, you know, yes, we know how to go along and do first aid. You know, as we yes. said before in previous podcasts that you know, people that play with guns and knives are and are going to get hurt. So you need to know how to take care of those. Either you being at the range or you being the person, you know, who just got shot at or, or slashed at by somebody that you were forced to defend yourself against doesn't mean you're going to come out of it um, unhurt just because you were the first shot. But it does mean that you want you want to make sure you have those options to be able to do the first aid, knowing how to deescalate before it gets to it or if the gets to that point that you know how to effectively defend yourself so you can persevere from the fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, yep. I know we've been talking about speed from the draw, but what have you seen from a reholstering standpoint? Have you seen people being able to draw and then reholster effectively? You know, kind of. In that uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I've, I've done some videos on this, and I think, uh, uh, you know, Lucky Gunner has some. So simply when you draw the holster from appendix, I'm not too worried about where your body position is at that point in time, right? Because if you think about it, we're pulling the gun out of the holster in the opposite direction than what makes the trigger work right? Mm -hmm. When we go to put the gun back into the holster, that's where we can really get in trouble because now we're putting the gun into the holster in the direction that the trigger works. So if you get your finger on the trigger or if some 
piece of clothing or, you know, uh, a piece of belt or a a drawstring off of a a jacket or something like that gets involved in that reholstering process. And you just, you know, you get that empathetic. So many people do that empathetic reholstering where they just literally get the, you know, they start to get the gun in the top of the holster and then just shove the gun into the holster, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that be strong side, appendix, small of the back, shoulder holster, it doesn't matter. That's a really, really bad habit to get into because if you do have a problem at that point in time, you will know you have a problem when the gun goes off and that's it. You're not going to have a pre-warning to that. So with mm-hmm. appendix, if you can imagine standing, you know, standing in a fighting stance, you know, your body weight slightly forward, your legs are staggered just a little bit, etc., and you've drawn the gun and you shot it, and you want to go back into the holsters. Basically, the way that I teach this is. I'm going to bring the gun back to what I call a hard break. And I got that from the late Todd Lewis Green. Uh, somewhere in our workspace, if we will, somewhere uh, underneath our eyes, right in front of our chest. At that point in time, I am going to glance down and confirm my trigger finger is in fact in register as far away from the trigger as I can physically get it, right? That's that's how I define my register position. Uh, register being your finger not on the trigger, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying that it is straight and forward along the frame. I'm saying it's as up and far away from the trigger as I can get it. Okay. Uh, from there, I'm simply going to take rotate the gun roughly 90 degrees where the the uh, the muzzle's pointing forward and the grip is horizontal. I'm going to take my strong side foot and drop it back just a little bit, and I'm going to bow my hips forward, and I'm going to take the muzzle of the holster, this is very important, straight to the mouth, the muzzle of the gun, straight to the mouth of the holster. Okay? In a straight line. If you can think about the eye target line, you know, when we draw the gun, we push it out on the eye target line, Mm -hmm. right? Reload the gun. We push the gun back out on the eye target line. So I want you to think about this as the eye holster line, right? It's, It's a very distinct line that the muzzle tracks on. And then I push my hips forward and the muzzle comes straight to the holster and goes in the holster. And I want you to reholster the gun, thinking these things gently, carefully, precisely, finessely, slowly, those types of descriptors, right? And the gun should just gently, slowly, carefully slide back into the holster until it is seated. And I want to keep a full firing grip on the gun while it's going into the holsters. That way, if I start to reholster the gun and I feel something different than, you know, the the last thousand times I put it in the holster, I can actually stop, pull the gun back out of the holster, 
figure out what's going on, and then reholster the gun carefully. Maybe a piece of brass got in there. Maybe you know, uh, maybe you were shooting on a range where the the backstop was really muddy, and you got a big clump of mud that somehow or another fell in the holster as you you know your shirt didn't cover the holster back up because I've seen that that actually happen, um, and uh, it wasn't any big deal because. Well, when the dude felt something wasn't quite right, he pulled the gun out, and there was a big glob of mud on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we can, we can fix that, right? But had he just, you know, stuck the gun, the the uh, the muzzle of the gun into the mouth of the holster and then just jammed it down, well, we're not sure how that could end it, mm-hmm. right? So that's not that's good. Not sure. good. Not good. Not good. And then, you know, if, if you think about it, the other thing about that is, is it puts the holster up front. So for the vast majority of us, it's easier to see the gun go into the holster. The thing that scares me to death, and, and I, I, I'll go on record as saying the most dangerous holsters on the market today are the uh, strong side hybrid holsters. Uh, and the reason I say it, really any hybrid holster, but specifically the hybrid holsters carry strong side, because when you pull the gun out, uh, the holster collapses when you go to put the gun back in. Most people, if they're not trained very well, will turn the gun, the muzzle of the gun into their hip. They'll literally put pointing the gun cross pelvics. They will push the muzzle so it gets into the holster. Then they will turn the gun and push the gun the rest of the way in the holster. Uh, I was teaching down in South Texas here about two years ago, and that range owner actually had a guy that did that exact same thing and shot himself cross pelvis. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen people uh, in the range do that kind of an I correct them because it's so, I mean, it violates the safety rules. We don't point at anything yeah. we have to destroy. Right. Even, it's even just ourselves. that simple. Yeah, especially ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we should, if, if we're really trying to protect ourselves, the last thing we should ever point a gun at is ourselves. Mm-hmm. Every, everything else is some form of negotiability, right? You know, do we want to pay for it? Uh, do we want to go to prison for it, et cetera? But when it really comes down to when we're trying to, you know, if we're pointing gun at ourselves, we're really, really breaking, you know, the, the, the biggest safety rule that we have. Yeah, exactly. I know, uh, Spencer, we've been talking a lot about, you know, you're a guy, I'm a guy, but how does appendix carry or does it differ when it comes to our female listeners or our female students that are out there? Uh, uh, appendix works great. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, like sometimes I feel like such an idiot because way back in the day, I would tell my female students, you know, well, you need to carry a gun appendix. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well, why don't you do that? And I'm like, well, cause I'm, cause you know, cause I'm a man, you know, <laughs> we don't, we don't do that. And then, you know, like I, I like listened to myself one time and I was like, wow, you really don't have a clue what you're talking about. Right. And uh, so, you know, figured out how, how to make that work. And uh, uh, we have a ton of women that carry appendix and do it really well. 
the one of the things I will caution the women, um, you know, shooters about and stuff like that is holster choices really matter. Uh, you need a holster that you can actually access the gun and draw it. The holster will stay where it's supposed to stay, that it is comfortable, that it conceals the gun well, etc. Because uh, unfortunately, especially for women, there are a ton of appendix holsters on the market today that, uh, let me rephrase that. There are a ton of holsters on the market today for women that are labeled appendix that are not appendix at all. They are simply a holster company that went, oh, well, we'll take our strong side holster and we will call it an appendix holster. Done. Well, it's not designed that way. It doesn't have the right right. It doesn't have the right cant. It doesn't have the right ride height. The grip's not in the right place, uh, etc. You can't get a full firing grip on the gun. I, I appendix requires, requires a, a holster built to be appendix, not one that's been modified and, and canned or something it, else like that for it. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's the. Uh, you know, un- unfortunately, we've all had that, you know, that, that, that big, huge box of holsters or bags or drawers or closets full of holsters that we bought that didn't work. Um, and uh, that's one of the reasons that I go, you know, my uh, appendix carry class and even my essential handgun skills class, because I teach a uh, that's the class that uh, uh, strong side people are are more than welcome in, uh, and I carry strong side for a long time, so I've got a lot of background in that, and uh, I teach some very specific stuff on how to set a holster up carrying strong side inside the waistband, and I cannot tell you how many students I've had at the end of that have just been like, you know, yeah, I just spent two hundred and fifty bucks on this class, but I think I saved two or three thousand dollars worth of holsters. Mm-hmm. Now they actually have the knowledge to look for what they need in a holster, uh, and if they get one that's not quite right, they have the knowledge now to go, okay, this one I, I like, except for you know A Y Z. Uh, now I can take that knowledge and move forward and buy the holster, not just another one to try. Yeah. And I I think as instructors, we've got to be knowledgeable about what's out there because our students are going to come to us and look for us for recommendations about where to, where to find holsters at, but also how to go along, explain to them, okay, how do you, what about ride height? What about, you know, the can't all these different things that we see in marketing material, but does anybody, how many people really understand what, what you're talking about there? And you might get a holster that says it can do this or that, but reality, if you don't know how a holster should work, you're going to be getting the wrong one and find and find out or that it's not going to work. And you're not going to carry like you really wanted to or plan to, you know, a month or two before you took a class. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Very, very important information for instructors to be able to pass along to their students so that our students are, are more knowledgeable. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I'm actually doing my, uh, my, my inaugural uh, appendix instructor class down in Louisiana later this year. Really looking forward to that. That's good. Uh, where's that going to be down in Louisiana? 
Uh, honestly, I forget. It's it's a uh, it's a it's a small town with a very large Louisiana name. <laughs> uh, but, that, but that's on my website. Uh, you know, if anybody looks wanted to look for that, it's uh, both all my all her stuff, all her stuff, keepersconcealment.com. Uh, it's somewhere on that part of the website. Okay. So if people want to get a hold of you, keeplersconcealment.com is their is your, is a place to find you. That's that's the one stop shop right there. Good. And I can see I looking at it right now your classes, got your products listed, got uh blogs, galleries, the gallery I was looking at with um before when I was looking at Gabe White when he was doing the point six one draw and uh, a lot of good information when it comes to self defense as well as appendix carry. Yes. Yeah. And can you believe that we got guys that, uh, that have sent us video of them doing draw to first shot in sub point five. <laughs> I'm just like, like, I hate you so much right now. <laughs> like I'm fast with a gun. I can't do that. Yeah, there's, there's always somebody faster. That's why I go along and, uh, learn my limits and, uh, you know, work, work w- within my toolbox of other tools I have. If I can't beat the person for, if I can't, can't beat somebody on speed, I can beat them on stealth or beat them on just, uh, you know, other way, other ways of, uh, persevering. So that's great. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Spencer, I appreciate it. Uh, your time today, uh, I think we'll wrap up this episode, uh, went a little bit long, but I think, uh, everybody listening, probably going to think the same thing I'm listening or thinking. And that is, it's been a great wealth of information, uh, something that I'm going to apply for my personal, but also something I'm going to apply for my students when they ask me about holsters and ask me about, you know, what they should be looking for, because let's put it this way. We all have that holster graveyard that we've got we're in the closet and we can save our students you know several hundred dollars of holsters that they you know used for a week or two and then decided to throw it in the box and get it something else uh it could it could uh, definitely turn around and be more money they spend with us in classes and that's where you know as a instructor focused podcast we want to make sure that we get those students in the class for a good purpose yes absolutely absolutely Great information there, Spencer. Well, we got a few requests for for our loyal listeners. Uh, First, visit our sponsor at Firearm Trainers Association at FTA Protect. And remember, being a responsible instructor means having coverage and use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts at. Also, consider leaving us a review and rating on iTunes and Google Play. This helps us as well as help others find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and like us on Facebook. If you have any input, questions, or feedback, please email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. And also, remember, tell other instructors about our podcast. We're trying to get out there, trying to get known in the social media universe, but it's really, really important that people go along and hear from one another, from their peers and saying, Hey, there's some great information out there. Great instructors that are, that Rob's having on the podcast and get them interested in it because there's no way we're going to reach every one of them through Facebook or Instagram. But if we go along and have every instructor talk about it, maybe we'll have a better chance of doing that. For all those that are listening that have sent in suggestions for the podcast, uh, we are looking at those ideas right now, trying to get those uh, scheduled. So please keep sending the 
information to us and we will uh, be looking at those topics. Some of them we're going to combine other ones where we're going to go along and find somebody to speak on it and uh, just bring you great information. And remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone, and try out Appendix Carry when you get a chance. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.